from my perspective, I think everything that can improve or get more from people on farms, that's attractive, specifically robotics, specifically sensors, or what they sometimes call IoT devices, cameras, another type of sensor, and all of it linked together through artificial intelligence. So the ability to take all of that information, that data, and convert it into something usable. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsored highlight is about Gestal. Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestal manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system. Designed by pork producers for pork producers. They are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Gestal is not just manufactured by an equipment company, but by a family pork production business with a slat-level understanding. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swinet podcast. And with me today is Aidan Connolly from Agritech Capital. Aidan, how are you today? Very good, thank you. Good. Well, Aidan, we're glad to have you on today as our speaker. Some of our audience may not be familiar with you, so would you mind giving us a little introduction about yourself? Sure. I'm Aidan Connolly. I live in North Carolina. Some will detect a little accent, which is not from North Carolina. So grew up in Ireland and then... Um, through a long career with Alltech, managed to travel and live in multiple countries around the world. More recently, set up my own business, Agritech Capital. We've been investing, advising, uh, consulting, speaking on issues relating to digital technologies and other technologies in livestock. And uh, write for Forbes, teach at three universities on their MBA program. Um, done lots of interesting stuff, particularly in the last few years. So yeah, just uh, pretty excited by by what's happening in swine production and, and agriculture in general. Well, that's wonderful. I think this will be a good conversation. I think you and I originally met during your Alltech days many years ago. Um, so this technology business that you're running now today to me is intriguing to hear more about, particularly what you're seeing. So let's maybe start there. Um, we talk all the time anymore about the technology that's coming into the swine barns, but what technology do you see that's that's going to be really important to transform where we're at today in terms of livestock production and, and move down the road to the next 20 years? Very, very, very hard to answer questions revolving around 20 years because <laughs> it feels like it's changing too quickly. And 
you do see globally some really interesting ideas. For example, this these multi-story buildings that they're building in China uh, looks like a a, a a condo or apartment tower block uh, full of full of lots of uh, lots of hogs. I don't know if it's going to be that. Biosecurity continues to be a big big issue, but I do think labor is a is a real challenge. I I was on a on a discussion run by Purdue University yesterday, and they asked what I thought were the biggest issues for the next couple of years, and my top three were labor, labor, and labor, and then everything else came next. Because I, even if we imagine people look forward to working on hog farms, always wanted to work on hog farms, always want to work with hogs, that increasingly is just not the case. It is hard to get people to do the jobs. It, the jobs are not in areas necessarily are the most attractive, particularly to people who've grown up in cities. And um, we are uh, finding competition from other from other jobs in terms of salaries. So. From my perspective, I think everything that can improve or get more from people on farms, that's attractive, specifically robotics, specifically sensors or what they sometimes call IoT devices, cameras, another type of sensor, and all of it linked together through artificial intelligence. So the ability to take all of that information, that data, and convert it into something usable. So 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 those sorts of technologies I see how soon maybe more like five to eight years. Uh, some might say three years, but I think five is, is a good number. 20 years, will we still be here? Will we still be consuming meat? Uh, what will happen to, um, I, I, one conference started talking about humans 2.0. So, you know, <laughs> all these kind of exciting, but also scary ideas. And I think it doesn't, doesn't take much. I don't know if 20 years is the right number, but it doesn't take many years into the future. To see levels of transformation that are almost impossible to predict. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And you certainly hit on labor. That was where I was headed with that question in particular, was thinking about this labor and, and the shortage is it's not going to change. It's it's probably only going to continue to increase. Um, you mentioned robotics, and and certainly I think most of us, when we think of robotics in the pig farm in particular, we think of the power washing robots that we've heard about. Any other robotic processes that we should be thinking about that you think is on the horizon and very manageable from a, an employee standpoint? Well, well, the major installation or application of robots, robotics is going to be in the processing plant. Uh, whatever we think about the labor challenges of getting people to work in a, in a hog farm, getting to work on a, on a processing line is 10 times more difficult. And most countries have engaged in some form of restrictions on uh, immigration. Uh, that's not just the United States. We see the same thing with Brexit in the UK. You see the same thing in other countries. And and if anything, the pandemic has just accelerated that. So for me, um, cutting up animals, processing of meat, handling of carcasses, all these pieces, robotics, are extremely valuable and Somebody has pointed out that uh, the Danes had fewer problems during COVID than most of the world because they were more automated in their processing plants than, than we are in, in, in pretty much every other country. I think in terms of the environment of the house itself, it's a very harsh environment. Uh, we know that, but nobody else seems to believe it. Um, ammonia, 
moisture, dust, flies, uh, potentially rodents, um, all, and of course manure and the requirement for, for, for cleaning. So all of those are just things that robots don't do well with. And I suppose we've seen robots being used for heat detection in sows, um, pheromone detection. We've seen it being discussed in terms of uh, potential, as you mentioned, for cleaning, maybe even for some forms of vaccination. Um, I, I, I'm struggling with it in reality because the cost of these robots is quite high. And the challenge that we see in, 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 uh, in our farms and our barns is, is are fairly extreme. So I think those things are coming maybe not as quickly as we'd like them to be, but I do see them more in terms of animal handling. So when animals are being moved from, from barns to the processing plant and obviously the processing plant itself, they're, they're, the cost benefits are huge. And that was one of the conversations we had just this last week was, well, we know, for example, in processing plants today, we can move pigs with, with an automated gate, no people around, and, and how can we bring that into a wean to finish barn so that we can move pigs to the trucks for loadouts and so forth, and you know, when will that happen, and, and where in that timeline does that fit? So I think, again, the processing plant does appear to kind of be that starting point for us to figure out how we're going to bring it into the barn. Um, one of the challenges I've seen, and it's you know, it's something that as we started with group housing and, and using automated feeding systems many years ago was the disconnect between the technology and the people that had to repair that technology or manage that technology. Now, I think obviously I'm going to date myself here, but in that time we've moved into more of the smartphones and, and technology that people do keep on themselves most times so that some of that's a little bit less intimidating. But how do you see that that connection going forward? Do you think we're still going to have that disconnect between using the technology, fixing the technology, and, and having it in the barn with our staff? I think there are two two principal challenges. Um, the first one, which I think you're 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 pointing out, is um, the quality of labor, the education level of labor. Um, if we have people working on our farms, not through any fault of their own, but who don't speak English or don't read English, uh, they're going to be challenged by systems which have been programmed and where the apps are in English. And as you mentioned, if we do need to replace a robot, we do need to repair a part, we do need to change a camera or move a sensor from one animal to another, those increasingly are higher value jobs, higher education levels required um, generally going to require higher pay levels. Um, I also think people have asked why livestock is less digitized than other parts of agriculture and why within livestock hog production is the is the last one. I mean, I think we're behind, certainly behind dairy, probably behind beef. We're certainly behind aquaculture, and we're seeing more innovation taking place in poultry. I think the genuine problem is, aside from anything else, if something breaks down with our biosecurity, with our requirement for limiting how people come on and off farms, it's extremely difficult to say to a repair person, can you make it from this farm to that farm to the other farm, when in essence, you should be waiting days in between uh, visits. Uh, for, to, to avoid the, the, the potential for bringing infections. 
So there's a lot of very specific challenges, I think, in, in pig production that make it a lot more difficult to implement this technology. So I like, I like your two comments. Firstly, I think we're going to have to get used to the idea we're going to have to pay people more and hire people with higher levels of education. And we're going to have to also be uh, cognizant of the fact that these, these uh, types of technologies have to be capable of being repaired on the farm. I think the idea that you bring a repair person in to do it is not is not sustainable, is not scalable, it's not robust. Uh, we need to be uh, finding ways for very simpler, maybe simpler technologies, but certainly that are possible to be repaired by the person themselves. That actually leads me into the next question. When I think of maybe quote simpler technology, I think of cameras and as we think about technology that might be readily available to producers that we can utilize, are there certain ones that come to mind that, that today we can implement with little to no significant um, education base needed to operate? I'd say six to eight commercial camera companies and at least another dozen universities that are, that are trying uh, camera systems to see what we can do. And what we're getting with them is very, very, very exciting. The opportunity to estimate weight in real time, feed and water intake in real time, be able to recognize um, diseased animals that are unthrifty or perhaps uh, need uh, medication, need treatment. Those are all very exciting things. The challenge at the moment is the structure of a, of, of a hog barn sort of makes it difficult to put the cameras in there. Um, you know, where do you put a camera over a pen with 25 pigs or 50 pigs? Do you put it over the feeder? Do you put it over the drinker? Is one camera enough? So very quickly, the hardware cost for a pig becomes quite prohibitive. And at this stage, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical. Um, I mean, I've certainly seen people get traction in Europe where probably the, the cost benefit is a little greater than in the United States. But the cost of cameras is coming down. The cost of installations are coming down, and I think that's going to be the driver. We will find this um, uh, sudden moment where we will make the quantum leap, where I think we will um, we will go over that cliff, and suddenly we'll have a massive opportunity for this technology. But today we we're a little hamstrung by the, the hardware cost per pig is just quite high. If you're looking at prices or cost per pig of $3, $4, maybe even $5 a, a pig. You need to capture a lot from that to justify it. If we can get those costs below a dollar, that just opens up uh, much, much greater opportunities. But um, anyway, in a long answer to your question, I think uh, cameras are the future. I think they offer big advantages over other sensor systems, um, and I'm very excited by them. But today, we still have this, uh, have this cost, uh, cost benefit problem. Yeah, I think you raised up a couple of good comments, actually. Um, one of them you sort of alluded to, too, is where we put that camera. Particularly in the U.S., our barn structure is such that the roofing or the ceiling is not allowable for us to get a full pen view relative to some other setups, right? whether to a poultry facility or, or to a, a swine facility in the EU, for example. So, you know, how we master that technology and and work it into what we currently use in the United States would be a bit of a challenge. Um, same with the internet, right? We continue to still have locations that don't have access to the internet and 
that's the whole goal of these cameras, of course, eventually is to be able to get notifications on your phone that pigs are sick or, or whatever. But um, those are some immediate challenges I see um, from a producer's perspective. Are there any others that I'm missing that, that might inhibit the implementation of some of the technology that you see coming our way? No, and those and all of the others I can think of will all be solved in time. We are moving towards edge computing, the idea that you do more of the compute at the camera level or at the barn level. If you wire it back to uh, to some form of uh, localized um, internet uh, or, or, or uh, network, that gives the opportunity to send the alerts to the producer, who's the only one that really initially needs to know what's going on. Of course, we'd love to have more of that information come from the farm. But we don't necessarily need connectivity in real time all the time, uh, much as we'd love 5G and we'd like to, to be able to see that. Um, some of the systems I've seen in other countries, I saw in China, they're using uh, what I can only describe as a monorail, where the camera and our sensors are moved around the barn on a continuous basis. I, I, I struggle to see that in the United States. Uh, I've lived in Brazil and France and um, other countries. I struggle to see it in those countries as well. I think your your um, your herds and your herds person is going to end up spending a lot of their time being a repair person, um, fixing things and trying to make them work. But look, in time, we all know um, the various forms of the laws of, of technology how quickly the cost comes down, how quickly the power goes up. Uh, these things will be solved. But it is frustrating to hear people say agriculture is the least digitized industry, which it is, uh, and realize that we face these barriers to 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 make those leaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. We've talked a little bit, Aiden, about some of the technologies detecting out-of-feed issues or, or monitoring weights or even identifying a sick pig. Any other um, portions of technology that you see coming in that can fill other gaps within our production systems? Everything you can imagine. So clearly 60% to 65, sometimes 70% of the cost of a live hog is feed. So all of these bin sensors that are coming in, the three, four companies out there working on that. Um, again, with the same challenge, uh, if the bin sensor breaks down, who repairs it? How do we get the data off the farm? But if you're a very large system and you can manage the cost of feed uh, in the field and know in real time how much feed's out there and which, which barns you're going to have to restock, um, that's immensely valuable. I think uh, lagoon management, uh, simple sensors on the lagoons uh, to, to, to you know, just keep you informed as to what's happening could be the physical uh, liquid within the lagoon, but it could also be odor. It could be so, uh, and and we are seeing really interesting systems being implemented for methane capture and using that for renewable energy. Um, I'm excited by those ideas. Um, I like um, I like just about everything, but I'd, I'd say there are probably around ten areas that have have real applications. But but the ones we've mentioned so far: sensors, um, cameras. The, the use of, uh, of, of, of artificial intelligence, those are the ones that probably bring the, mo the clearest, with robotics, bring the clearest uh, um, advantages. Then I get into things like cloud computing, data analytics, 
uh, blockchain, some of those are quite enabling. And when we think about education and information, extended reality, which includes augmented reality, middle reality, virtual reality, we already see those being used, for example, uh, at the NC uh, State Fair, North Carolina State Fair, they use it to inform consumers about uh, how hogs are grown and where pork comes from. And I've seen the same thing being done by McDonald's. I've seen universities using it to teach veterinarian students. So there's a lot of um, ways in which these technologies can open up new, uh, new solutions to, well, maybe to new problems. Yeah, I think you brought up some really interesting points because uh, that's what I think of when we think about all the the technology going in is the data coming out and how well we set research trials up to to better understand information. Sometimes we need the bigger picture. Sometimes we need to see patterns and trends in barns to understand what's really happening at the pig level rather than than what we suspect is happening when we run a research trial. So um, I know we talk a lot about data overload and and almost being paralyzed sometimes by the data. But I think that's where the technology excites me the most is beyond filling the labor gap, that opportunity to really be able to see full systems as they are rather than the bits and pieces that we get on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, and entirely. And, and I, it is, it's as much an art as a science how to present information in a way that you can do something with it. Um, you, you are a person I imagine who likes looking at data, who's good at looking at data, who sees the patterns and maybe even the flows and the colors within data. Many of us are not. So when you pick up your iPhone or you pick up your Android or you pick up your iPad, um, you have somebody has thought through in detail how to present information that's intuitive, that's simple, that appeals, that makes it easy to understand what to do with it. A little bit as I always thought the USA Today used to try to uh, reduce data down to graphs that if it was more passengers, the plane got bigger. If it had, um, if it had more people, then it was a, you know, larger mountain of people. So things that just change the way we absorb and consume data, it's going to be critical on the farm. Too much of uh, what I see being developed by some tech companies, including some large tech companies is not intuitive. It's not easy to understand. And uh, it's hard, it's hard to know what to do with it. But I'll challenge you on the research just because you're, since you said it, you know, do we need research? Surely at some point, the goal of this should be to be able to get information from farms about what's happening with real pigs in real time under real conditions. But the level and quality of data that allows us to, to do research through that rather than having to create um, artificially something in the university or something in a research setting to try to replicate what we see in the field and limit the numbers of variations. I just hope that, you know, as we move forward, that becomes uh, that becomes part of the future. Sometimes uh, when I try to wake audiences up, I say maybe in the future we won't need veterinarians or nutritionists, but I don't really mean that, but it's uh, it's a good way to get people to throw throw stuff at you when you're on stage. Absolutely, yeah, I think that would, that would get a few people stirred up a bit. <laughs> I also liked your concept of, of talking about the the images, right? So I, I think you bring up a, a good point with our technology as it goes forward is it has to be universal, that communication piece, because our languages are going to be different. Um, how do we communicate an image 
to an individual so that they understand rather than words. And so I think that's actually a really intriguing piece of that technology that I think people need to keep in mind as they develop that. This, it goes beyond us teaching someone on a farm how to fix a, a broken line or, or camera or so forth to, to also understanding what they're reading or seeing. Absolutely. I, the, the dairy industry is a really good example. Um, heavy, more consistent and heavier use of tech in their animals on the farm. But you can open up screens and you can see a producer ha who has certainly gone to college, certainly studied, certainly, but did not take up farming to be sitting in front of a laptop or in front of a screen looking at piles and piles of data. And that's what these technologies are are offering and then they're surprised when they don't succeed while when they fail um so i think making it many of us consume information and in images better than we do in numbers some of us like to touch things that's a that's a, that's that's probably the next level again of how you how you present it but successful startups successful innovators successful tech companies really provide you with uh screens that just it's clear what the information is saying, and it's clear what you need to do next. And that's uh, that's worth every penny that's spent on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think you've given us some really good information today. And so um, maybe give us just a few key points to, to wrap up there and, and maybe identify a couple of key pieces that you think are, are going to be the next, the next thing to transform at least the swine industry. Yeah. So... I've mentioned already that there's relatively few new technologies coming through compared to other species. So I would say anybody that comes on your farm or comes into your office or you meet at a conference that's got new technology, give them a big hug and uh, tell them that you're going to help them. And don't try to prove that they're idiots or that they don't understand swine nutrition or they don't know the difference between one amino acid and another. That's a given. They're not going to. Most of these companies you're going to meet are not coming from agricultural backgrounds. So they're going to come from a tech background and they're going to need to understand our business. And it's our job to help them make that leap, not to prove to them that they're idiots. I think uh, if you take a little bit further, um, you know, what's out there? Some great apps for managing your pig flow, some uh, really interesting technologies for listening to the pigs to see whether they're happy or unhappy. The cameras have mentioned already early days, but seeing already uh, both small and larger companies embrace them and try to install them on the farm, uh, particularly for weight estimation, but I do see opportunities for other things. Um, smartphones allowing you to take cameras, store images. Um, so all of these are exciting technologies. Um, are they ready for prime time? Maybe not, but they're getting close and they, the acceleration will come from our help. So, yeah, my, my, uh, my, my, my recommendation to everybody on this call is uh, just give them a chance, help them make it happen. Of course, I know uh, you, you do have students on, your, on, on listening to your podcast. You do have professors. Um, try to understand as much about technology as you can. You will find yourself inside of a an AI, an artificial intelligence company, uh, maybe teaching people about hogs and equally learning from their side about tech. And that's where the successful tech companies, startups for me will come from. It'll be that mixture of 
uh, people coming with practical knowledge of our industry together with people at the technology side. Very good. Well, thank you, Aiden. It is time to our famous three. A worldwide leader in animal nutrition. Our company offers specialized technical support for nutritionists, veterinarians, and other animal production professionals. Our portfolio of programs and services include a wide array of high-performing feed solutions, such as essential nutrients, palatability, feed preservation, mycotoxin management, and health by nutrition. To learn more about our company, visit us at www.adiseo.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. As we wrap up, as you know, we may ask our audience or our guest speakers a few questions. The first one we like to ask is, do you have a swine resource that you would recommend to the listeners? Um, look, I, I, I try to get my information from as, uh, as many places as, as possible. And um, it, is, it is challenging, I feel, to, uh, to know where, where to find the best information. Um, I, have all, I always liked National Hog Farmer. I always liked, uh, in the day, Pig International. Um, I, I, I like the international magazines and the U.S. magazines. And, of course, most of those are available now online. Um, so, you know, that, I, I don't have a particular one that I would say that's the only one. Um, I have uh, listened to this podcast and heard many other people uh, who I've learned things from on it. And I think that's, uh, that's really very, very important to continue doing that. And I, I was very honored to, uh, when, when you invited me to join uh, for that reason. Uh, so I, I do listen to The Future of Ag with Tim Hammerich. He's got a great podcast as well that allows you to understand where technology is going in the future. And it's, you know, to consume that or to listen to that while you're driving around the countryside, it's a great use of time or indeed traveling in any way. And more broadly, uh, I know that the media has become very politicized, so that becomes challenging. Um, and I am sure, as we all do, try to read all sides of an argument, try to understand what's going on. I do like The Economist. I think it still provides a great understanding of global issues and, and occasionally covers agriculture, uh, I think, relatively fairly. So, um, But aside from that, if something appears in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, any anything, I will uh, try to make sure that I follow it and read it uh, to see what their opinion is, even if I disagree with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good. Um, how about something that's not related to swine? Is there anything that you would recommend to our, our audience to check out that might be helpful? Um, a, a friend of mine who still works at Alltech, uh, Russell Gillum, he was telling me that I should uh, read about a artificial intelligence and how it's affecting consumers. And ironically, I signed myself up. I have a, another friend of mine who, uh, I won't say what age he is, but he's in his 70s. And he came back from a Harvard course, an online course, uh, relating to AI, the business of, AI, of artificial intelligence and how it's changing the way business is done. And the professor was teaching about about applications in pigs in, in, in China. So I signed myself up for that. So I'm doing that in May. It's a five-week course, eight hours a week. And um, I hope that I will find those eight hours uh, and more to prepare. But I think things that's an area that I think is really, really important. It's, it's, it's going to be the most transformational for all businesses. 
I actually think it's going to be more transformational for agriculture. So I think it's very important to find those things that continuous learning. And um, in my case, yeah, artificial intelligence is what I want to learn more about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good recommendation. I've had a few others that have recommended some books and so forth around AI as well. And so I think um, taking a course, that's an excellent recommendation, not one I had considered. So um, yeah, well, the AI Superpowers is a great book as well mm -hmm. uh, by Kai-Fu Lee. Uh, he's Chinese, but he has lives in the United States. He's a perception perspective on 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 both continents and what's happening with the AI super superpowers, uh, the Googles, the Alibabas, the Ten Cents, mm -hmm. Intel, etc. And uh, although I don't love everything about it, I definitely uh, read through Homo Sapiens, Homo Deus, um, some of those books to think about what our future might look like and. And, you know, what, what, what does the future of food consumption look like? What's the future of meat production look like? As I said, not necessarily agreeing with everything in the books, but at least it was a great way to open my mind about where we, where we might be going next. Right. And then that's exactly what you said earlier was keep an open mind and review what other people are saying so that you know where we're headed. So I think that's, those are great recommendations. Um, the last question I have for you, Aiden, it really focuses around if you can think of someone in your life that you've ident identified as successful, and success can look many different ways, as we know, but what would be a key trait about them that you think has helped them to become successful? Um, it would be very hard for me not to mention uh, my former boss, uh, Pierce Lines, who said of Alltech, um, he created a company with no money. In 1980, that became a two and a half billion dollar company in space of uh, 30. He called it 35 years overnight success or 38 year overnight success. Uh, and what was remarkable about him for me as a mentor, uh, as a boss, uh, I'd like to think as a friend, uh, was that he would get himself up at five in the morning, six in the morning, go for a run. So he got oxygen into his lungs and he was continuously learning. And I think that's the piece that I feel is most threatening and most exciting about this new area of digital tech or indeed technology in general. You start to realize when you read about technologies, even CRISPR, uh, the genome, um, the microbiome, how little we know. And we have to become continuous learners. We have to be prepared to realize that whether you have an undergraduate degree or a PhD or even a professorship, if you're not continuously learning, you're going to get left behind. You're going to be passed by others. So um, I saw that with him, even in the 70s. He was reading Scientific American. He was reading everything he could get his hands on. He was talking to people, trying to learn, not to say, I know it all. Uh, I don't need new new ideas. Um, I know, I you know, I, I've seen, I've, I have a 50-year career. Why would I need to learn more? So I think with that example, I try to follow that myself. and and pass it on to uh, other younger and our older people uh, that, that that ask for my opinion. Great. No, that's a wonderful characteristic to have, for sure. Always learning and, and being ahead of, of what's coming next is for sure a good thing, particularly from a business perspective as well. As it helps you be more prepared. So wonderful. Well, Aiden, I want to thank you for your time today. And for our audience, again, this is Aiden Connolly from Agritech Capital. Aiden, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Laura. Thank you. 
Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.